NA beer is the best NA category, period. There is no other category in booze that has a non-alcoholic uh, um, alternative that is as good or as faithful to the original product as NA beer. And I think people that miss beer or don't want to drink fully alcoholic beers appreciate that. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. It's really fun having Alex Delaney back on the show and getting to know the food and drink and menswear and rare book writer and collector a little bit better. You may know Alex from his time working at Bon Appetit as a writer covering home cooking, wine, cocktails, and naturally processed coffee, respect to that. But since leaving BA in early 2021, Alex has been busy working as a consultant, podcaster, wine educator, and most recently as the author of a really cool city guy called Everything Good. As the name suggests, the free Google Doc notes the good things happening in neighborhoods around New York City. I hope you enjoy this conversation on all things Everything Good. Alex Delaney, welcome back to This Is Taste. Matt, thank you for having me back to This Is Taste. Two-timer here. I appreciate it. I want to bring you in once a year. Just, like, check in. Yeah, I, I'm good. I'm good with that contract. We're good. <laughs> we could, yeah, it's like a contract in uh, written in pizza. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As all contracts should be. They should be definitely do it. So I want to ask you about the Delaney effect, and this is definitely my term, not yours. You've never pr- publicized this because it would be corny and that's not what you do. But <laughs> I feel like when you put something on Instagram in particular or other social media spots, you know, you actually move the, the needle for small businesses. So, like, do you think about your online presence as like an editorial are you like an editorial director do you schedule it uh no there's there's absolutely (laughs) that would go very against my personality to schedule it um there's zero schedule it's it's really you know i kind of look at a lot of people make content um you know as a uh as a premeditated uh thing i kind of look at it as a reactionary uh thing to how i'm living my life so it's like if i eat a bunch of great meals over the past week like i'll post a bunch of stuff that i ate that i loved yeah um, it's not like there's no schedule there's no content calendar there's nothing like nice that. i mean i assumed that was your answer and i and i, I feel it's, it's 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 heartfelt and but like there's has there been any examples of like you've posted something like a, a small restaurant they've like it's they've like hit you up like man the people came in and we weren't ready for it a couple I don't know if it was like onslaught like yeah. that, but a couple of things that I remember recently, uh, I posted and I also wrote about uh, Farah Wine Bar in Tribeca, which I really, really love. I ate dinner there last week um, and they hit me up and were like, yo, this was amazing. Thank you so much. We got so much business. Um, but the, the, fun, the funniest one lately was I, I live like maybe a five minute walk away from a Brasso. Um, in the East Village, classic old school cafe. Yeah. Um, maybe a month or two ago, I posted they, they do this like uh, espresso tonic, essentially. Yeah. Sparkling water espresso. And they do like this amazing slab of super dense whipped cream on the top of it. And I posted it and I was like, this thing's fucking amazing. Uh, and I had I didn't go for a couple weeks and I came back and I was waiting behind this woman in line. And she goes and she orders the espresso tonic, seltzer, whatever thing. And the guy's like, man so many people have been ordering this. And she's like, wait, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, some influencer posted about it. And now, and now we're, you know, and she's like, actually, um, I have to admit I'm here because of the influencer and, and didn't realize I was behind her. And then I came up and I was like, damn man, influencers, huh? Oh, and the guy was like, dude, 
everyone's ordering it. And I was like, okay, can I, can I, I'll just have a cortado. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I didn't, say, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny that you, yeah. like, played in the moment. And, so and I like that. It's like a real, it's like a kind-hearted way to look at it. And I feel like that's that's the way that you you post. It's, it's always positive. You're obviously editing and not posting negative shit on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love that. Like, let me ask you. You've been out of Bonat for a while, and you've been out of like formal writing. But do you do you want to get back in that game? Because I feel like I just love, and we'll talk about everything's good, everything good. But yeah, yeah do you want to get back in? Um, it's it's funny. Since I left, I have not been paid by anyone to write anything. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's like I do have a little bit. The, the itch is there, I'll say. And I, but I think that that's why I do everything good. Um, I can write, you know, at my own cadence. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't have to go through a million steps before publishing anything. Um, and it's something that I feel like is worthwhile doing. Maybe I'll write something, but I don't want to just write something to write something. Yeah. I want the first thing that I write after not writing professionally <laughs> for a long time to be something that I feel really strongly. Nah, I respect that. And we'll get into everything good. Your your recent issue, and you've done four of them, I think, by now. Yeah, four working on the fifth one. You're working now. on the fifth one. And the, the last neighborhood, you basically cover neighborhoods and you're saying this is everything good. You make real choices. Um, you're not doing this for money, right? <laughs> no. It's actually, it's funny. The last one, I, I kind of wanted to test the waters a little bit. And I just said... You know, if you like this and you want to make a, a donation, whatever, like this is my oh, Venmo. Oh, tip jar model. This is my Venmo. Yeah. You can tip me if you want. Um, but no, it's not like before that, all of them have been for charitable organizations. I just yeah. ask people to make a donation to a charity. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of just like all this shit is bouncing around my head. Yeah all the time, so I figured that I should put it somewhere. Yeah, and you put it in a Google Doc, and did anyone hit you up on Venmo? Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, they did. More they than did. just beer money? I got, I, got a, I got some nice pizza money for the weekend. All right, respect that. Well, you know, it's nice to support creators, and you're not on, like, Substack, which makes it a little easier. And yeah, that, yeah. But it's kind of the same. All right, so let's, like, get into Tribeca, because I, I yes. really want to, to, to get your take. First, like, Sambar is actually good. Yo, okay, I was... I went and I was like, it was a friend was going and weirdly I was there like twice in two weeks for totally unrelated purposes. Friend was going, was like, hey, I have an extra see this dinner. It's like my company's covering it. Do you want to just come along? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, I haven't eaten at Sambar, you know, since it was on yeah. 12th, 13th. Uh, it was on 1st and 12th, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we ate and we got the pork shoulder and I was like, this is fucking good. Like it's still very yeah. good. Um, that's like, I think one of the best large format dishes. Yeah. In New York the full City. ducks too have been the good ducks, there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but all the food we had there was great. And then I was randomly there for an event the next week with like little past dishes yeah. or whatever. Same thing. It was all good. And I was like, huh. You know, the reason I asked, is it good? It wasn't uh, actually shaded. I was like, I was just so sad when yes. it left East Village. Me and too. I know Chang is like div- d- d- divested personally from a lot of his restaurants, but he's got, I know he's got some cool guys there. Yeah. Um. So that was on the list. And Frenchette is still boss, right? Frenchette is still good. And I want to say even more specifically, the bar at Frenchette yeah. is still very good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll say if you ha- if you're looking to have a cocktail in in Tribeca, you should probably end up at the bar at Frenchette. It's so good. The vibe is always awesome. It's a buzzy room. Yeah, it's to me Frenchette is everything that I want the Odeon to be. Oh, I know Odeon. <laughs> it, we've we've snarked a bit on Odeon here. I don't need to re litigate that yeah. one. But um, yeah, the Odeon T-shirts are selling pretty hot. Or hats. They, uh, the hats are the hats are hot. big. Yeah, but um, I, I feel you and and the the rock is quite different from yes. Frenchette, right? Yeah, totally. I I don't think. Yeah, I mean, La Rock feels like it's in Midtown, and Frenchette does yeah. not, I think, right. is the thing. But it, there's also the thing about Frenchette that's like, 
I kind of romanticize Frenchette a little bit because when I was working in food media around the same time that Frenchette opened and there was all this, I just have a lot of memories mm-hmm. with Frenchette. But that's a restaurant that I still think is operating at a very, very high level. Yeah, it's a fun place too as as the season turns to fall. You know, Fashion Week's going to roll in at some point. Oh, and there's yeah. always a great scene there. Oh, yeah. It's a cool spot. Now, I, I have to ask you about chambers because i yes. agree racines was not my vibe no either. it was not you, you make a pointed remark about racines the previous restaurant or wine bar that was there yeah um racines always felt i i, I always felt like i was under attack when i was in racines like it, it did i think you said this to me it felt it felt very french yeah and not in a way that i loved <laughs> um I just felt that there should have been more fun happening and it should have been a looser vibe in that restaurant. And it always felt very restrictive and like I should be appreciating every single Mm -hmm. second. Um, Yeah. uh, Chambers took over and I do feel like it's a much more relaxed atmosphere. The food is not in your face pretentious. It is very well done. It's not – I'll say the food isn't going to like – break any gastronomical barriers or anything. Um, but I think the wine program is amazing. The by the glass list is excellent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's still the chambers part of the, the, the street from chambers, uh, street wines is involved in the restaurant. Oh, so it's the guys from chambers yes. Street wines. Yes. Okay. That makes sense now. So it's like a wine shop's extension cafe. Exactly. exactly. You can't lo- buy a bottle of wine there. Right. Anyway, it makes a lot of sense. Cool observation, because I think a lot of listeners are coming to New York and we, we like to give tips all the time, but, you know, Tribeca's got Grand Daisy, Old School, Frenchette Bakery, Takahashi, and I'm probably forgetting others, but, like, the baking scene in Tribeca for a pretty small neighborhood is tremendous. Totally. And and I'll, I'll pair that with the coffee scene in Tribeca. Oh. It's also tremendous. Um, but I was thinking about this a lot, and, you know, as I'm writing the guys, I, I always pay attention. It's like, which neighborhoods have the most bakeries or the most coffee shops or the most bars or whatever? And Tribeca is a really, really interesting neighborhood. And and to be clear, in the guide is Tribeca and Fidei. Yeah. But I, I think it's a very interesting coupling of neighborhoods because, one, Tribeca is, is very family-oriented and very residential. Um, you wouldn't – I mean, <laughs> not everyone can afford to right. in Tribeca. I mean, it's a but very special a, kind of family. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and it's also very – Fidei is very 9 to 5 work. So you have these people that are around during the day and yeah. around in the yeah. morning, yeah. which I think is, you know, a pretty good uh, clientele to have to open a bakery um, and sell pastries or bread or whatever all day. Um, same thing with coffee. I think, like, the reason Black Fox and Interlude and, you know, all these great coffee shops are down there is because people are down there and in the morning or the early afternoon, like, there's a billion people wanting to go yeah. get coffee. So Yeah, Interlude is great. And I like the, the the selections. Drip did not make it. Is that technically Soho? Is that why? Yes. Okay, yes. yeah, I figure. I, just, I, I, I stay pretty you're tight, uh, yeah. tight on the borders. I like yeah. it. I like it. No, yeah. it's a cool guide. I'm going to link to the show notes and and you were working your fifth. What can you say about the fifth guide? Uh, the fifth one is going to be the neighborhood that I live in right now, okay. which is uh, Alphabet City and the East Village. Okay. Which, the East Village always, I feel every three years, needs a, a rethink. It's, uh, I am so overwhelmed every morning just stepping out being like, hmm, where am I going to get pastry? Or it's, I th- I personally think that in Manhattan, the East Village is the most diverse and available food neighborhood 
period. 100%. I, I lived in 0205 at 7th Street and Avenue A and, um, you know, went away. The East Village went away when Brooklyn became Brooklyn in the mid-aughts. Yeah. Or like 2010 to 2020, you know, 20. So 10 years the East Village, I felt, was kind of just sitting there, you know, great places, establishments, but it certainly is back now. Oh, for sure. I, I just feel like the amount of, I feel like every other week there's a new food business that opens in the East Village. Agree. And let's just go there because I want your take on Superiority Burger because, you know, outside of what Brooks has done with the menu and, and really is tremendous work, and we knew that was going to happen because it's Brooks Headley and he, he does not miss, but this was hands down the biggest opening in probably the past three years in terms yeah. of media attention, in terms of just the, hitting the zeitgeist, but also just getting a lot of people into the the space. It's not exclusive. You have to wait a little while, but there's a bar back there. Totally. So Alex, tell me, what, what's your take on that place in particular? I, I think Superiority, Superiority Burger is very funny. And, and I think the reason that the, the opening was so monumental um, is because, I, I mean, now it's like, I guess we don't really think about it, but before they opened, it was like two and a half years before they opened where Brooks was like, yeah, we're opening a restaurant. And then it was like kind of like a will they, won't they. Yeah. Like in my head, I was like, guys, just open the fucking restaurant. Like I, this needs to happen. Um, and I think there was just so much anticipation behind it. But you have that coupled with the fact that, like you said, Brooks is a legend. Um, the neighborhood loves him, which I think is the most important part of operating food business in any city. Um, the neighborhood loves him. Music people love him. Yeah. Food people love him. Vegetarians and vegans love him. He has all these communities that mm-hmm. ride really hard for what they ride for, and he's in this amazing like Venn diagram <laughs> of these very passionate groups. Yeah, um, and I, I think yeah. like artists like him, you know, he's got totally. a real sense of style with his spaces and the way he designs. Totally, he makes it feel it's like equal but separate. I mean, he like, definitely has like a, a sense of like he has his own point of view, and there's obviously a punk aesthetic happening at all times, but it's always inviting. Always, always. You know? And I, I think he's also a very um. He's a very uh, humble guy, too. Like, when yeah. I, the first time I, w- I went in, like, the first Monday that they were open, and I showed up at 5, um, and I just sat down by myself and, like, just tried some stuff. And uh, the desserts were uh, obviously fantastic. I was like, Brooks, the desserts are great. And he's like, oh, don't thank me. Like, go over and thank the pastry team. Yeah. Um, and it's very, he's very like that. It's extremely genuine, yeah. Um <laughs> Brooks, please come on the show. I've been emailing you for three three months about three. Good luck. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a tough one. I, I have we've done plenty of stories with Brooks, but I, I respect it, and we'll get him on eventually. Um, some news and notes to cover with you. Um, this Rayo's Pizza Sauce acquisition by by Campbell's yeah. is super interesting, and I want to get your take because we've got basically this restaurant uh, Rayo's we all know is legendary, and they went into the CPG world um, in the past you know five years. Um, it's not bad sauce. Um, no, I would say arguably it's good sauce um, for, you know, jarred sauce. For jarred sauce. Right? Um, and I think it's definitely better than anything that people going to regular grocery stores that aren't stocking, you know, carbone sauce or whatever, which also I don't necessarily have opinions about. I haven't tried. Yeah. Um, but I think that, like, you know, when you're when you're being bought by a company like Campbell's, which is Campbell's bread and butter or, you know, their soup is middle America. Um, I think that anything that's even slightly better is going to make a huge impact. And I, I think that Rayo's sauce is, for a jarred sauce, pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like Meatball Shop personally, but I, I also um, I, I have to respect the way that the company has gone from a, a small restaurant to this large $2.3 billion acquisition. Yeah. And they are like 85% of Savos, which is the parent company, also Nusa Yogurt. So my question about this is, like, how are restaurants now leveraging their brand? Are you seeing this? You're, you're an expert and you consult with brand. 
in the restaurant space, so I think you're very qualified. You know, I feel like we're at a tipping point with this acquisition. It's like, man, like when will Prune get acquired for thirty yeah. million dollars? Yeah. Like that. This is like life changing amounts of money, generational money. Like I feel like Momofuku w- is that worth a billion dollars? Like this yeah. is crazy, crazy numbers being thrown out there. Yeah, and and I think it's a lot of it has to do with again. You, I think people in in food and especially people that open new restaurants really want their brand to be a brand immediately. And when yeah. you look at these brands, like these are legacy brands. And I would even argue that Momofuku is like not hasn't been in CPG long enough to even be considered about things. Like they have another five to seven years before that conversation even happens in my eyes. Um, But I think it's like get into the CPG game and stay there and don't pivot. Like get in, do your thing, do it really well, do it better than anyone else or yeah. Cooler than anyone else or cheaper than anyone else. <laughs> um, you know, pick your poison. Uh, or even better, maybe two of those poisons. Um, but yeah, I think it's about like being there and letting people know and reminding people that like, hey, this is what we do. We do it really well. Yeah, we do it well. And, and I, I respect and I and I agree with like you need longevity and you get look at the guys from Wild there. They've been doing this for like almost a decade now. So totally. they might be approaching that. But like I feel like food right now, there's real value. We just published a story about brand integrations and we look at like the Sweet Green and uh, Susan Alexandra collaboration. Yeah. Um, Apartment 4F and and those guys, like we link, we think about like food as being more than just food. It's be, but now we're actually attaching dollars to it. Absolutely, and and I think it's also funny with these. When I look at these collaborations between you know food brands and personalities or brands and food personalities or whatever, it's me. It, to me, it's very clear that. When you look at it and you're like, oh, this is because the whatever has a brand or this is because whatever they're doing is good. And I think for the person or conglomerate or whoever purchasing or collaborating, like they're both equally valuable. But sometimes I look at a thing and I'm like, oh, that's who you partnered with? And then you're like, oh, because they have Instagram followers and whatever and they're buzzy and whatever celebrity goes there. But I kind of scratch my head a little bit when people do that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of examples of like what? And and like it comes down to like like basically engagement numbers and not quality. Yeah. Um, I guess we can't really come to a conclusion, um, but it seems that in the next few years, just with this Rayo's acquisition by Campbell's, I feel like more brands, large companies are going to be looking at restaurant brands and maybe acquiring them more. Totally. I agree. And also looking at, um, you know, entire categories, you know, not just a sale that's as big as 2.3 billion, but looking at, you know, how do I buy 10 smaller restaurant yep. brands that maybe are worth 50 million as a total. Yeah. Um, and then using that to take over a sector. Speaking of categories, I wanted to ask you about NA Beer. I've said in the show and we've, and Liza and I have talked about it. It seems like this summer there was a big sea change. It seems like the Langanitas, I saw that everywhere. That's, that's oh, that yeah. kind of hoppy seltzer is like yeah. up at ShopRite in like 50 states now. But we've got, of course, Athletic like leading the charge. Totally. Every small brewery has an NA. So Alex, what is your take on NA Beer right now? Do you, do you think this is a, another a fad, like a LaCroix moment, or do you think it's here to stay? I think it's here to stay, and I think it's. Um, I'll say this: NA beer is the best NA category. Period. There's 100% no. Agree. There is no other category in booze that has a non-alcoholic alternative, um, alternative that is as good or as faithful to the original product as NA beer. That's like, period. And and I think people that miss beer or don't want to drink forty fully alcoholic beers over the course yeah. of a week. Uh, and just want to switch it up and, and take a little breath. Um, appreciate that, you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny. I, um, my partner, my girlfriend, uh, she does not drink alcohol. Um, so 
I've been I've been going through some NA beers. Yeah. I'll say big time shout out to non-alcoholic Guinness. It is fucking good. Whoa. Um yeah, Matt, kind of mind blowing, but yeah. um it's really good. And then big time shout out to Owls Pilsner. Yeah. Owls is like he's been since day one my favorite. Um Yeah, Owls has been great. You can get that at Superiority Burger, by yeah. the way. Um, yeah, you can at the bar. And Owls is cool and like the branding a moment of Owls. Like what totally. where's Owls come from? I forget. Owls is West up, Coast? Uh no, up, upstate New York. Upstate New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I agree with you fully. It's very faithful. It also seems like for we were in that sessionable moment, like five point six or you know, totally three point five, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, why do you even want three point five? Like, just exactly. go straight NA. Exactly. And I think it's also the thing of like, the reason I would want a, a two point five percent beer or a two percent ABV beer is because it's really good beer. And yeah. the reason I would want a non-alcoholic beer is because it's really good beer. You know, that's the baseline for that doesn't change. Like, yeah. It's going to be a good product if it's a good product. Yeah, man. All right, Love Club, let's talk about it. You do nights in New York and Richmond, Virginia. We talked off mic about Richmond. Love to Richmond. Massive love to Richmond. What a Um, what a great food what a great food city. Great food city. Uh, So yeah, so my I do uh, this party series dance party series called Love Club um, with my friend Dean uh, Dean Javos, and he is originally from Richmond. He was in New York for a very long time, uh, moved back to Richmond uh, where his parents live uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. So he's based there. We they have an amazing venue, maybe my favorite venue to play in. It's called the Jungle Room. It has a very cool cocktail bar, sick sick stage, mm-hmm. amazing sound system. So we try and play there maybe like once every three months. But whenever I'm there, I'm also just psyched to be there to eat. Yeah. Because Richmond's such a good food city. It's really great. And we talked about Mama Zoo. And, and you go to Edo's every— Edo's. Edo's so squid, we, we always do Saturday night uh, Love Club at the Jungle Room. And then yeah. we do sun, Sunday supper at Edo's, which Respect is— it. I'll go on, Mike. I'll say this. That's that's my favorite restaurant in America. I fucking love Edo's. Yeah, up the stairs, you're going to get the, the rockfish. You're going to get definitely some kind of oyster or clam. Yeah. You're going to definitely get three pastas. You're definitely going to get some kind of flatbread. Yep. And you're going to pay $45 yeah. for a bottle of COS for Pato, which you'd yeah. pay 95 bucks for in New York. It's it's I love it so much. Yeah, alcohol margins are really good um, um, at these restaurants. Really good. Yeah, they, they, they definitely treat their customers right. Um, are you, like, more into music than food? It seems like it's, like, <laughs> probably more of your path, like DJing. It's, you know, it's really funny. I, I think it depends on the day. Uh, it totally depends <laughs> nice. on the day. Um, I, I don't— I don't know if there's one path for me, but I I do, um, I do think that like right now I'm spending a very large chunk of my time trying to figure out how to make Love Club a more nationwide mm-hmm. and and uh, a bigger thing. Um, and th- it's in the works. We'll say so. I love it. I, I mean, we'll definitely you know follow you and, and find out what what's going on with the future. But like, how do you bring food and Love Club together? This these like two communities that. We're talking about how food is definitely in the zeitgeist, but how do you bring them together? For sure. Uh, I mean, I, there's there's a bunch of different ways we do it. Also, I'll say this. Dean, my friend that I do Love Club with, he's a restaurant guy too. Right. So he uh, – his family owns some really great restaurants in Richmond. He does all of, you know, the interiors and the graphic de- – he's a graphic designer. Uh, graphic design and branding for all the restaurants. Um, so he's been in restaurants his whole life. Uh, and we always try and do something food-related just on a more personal level. Yeah. Like we always have a dinner and we invite some friends yeah. before every love club and we always pick a spot and make it a thing. But the last time when we were just in Richmond, um, we did a kind of like a ticketed private love club dinner the night before. And See, our, that's our, what I'm talking yeah, about. Our yeah, our buddy Daniel uh, – 
cooked this on un- Harhausen. Yeah, Daniel, the uh, uh, a vet of the pod. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Daniel is such a great guy. Um, and we kind of hit him up and we were like, "Yo, Daniel, we should do." Uh, I think it was twenty-two people yeah. um, seated dinner. Before he did seven or eight courses, I did a whole wine menu of pairings. So it's cool. And, you know, Dean, like, made a whole playlist. So, like, it's cool to just, like, sit there and be like, hey, this is also what Love Club's about. Um, You obviously were thinking about this because I was was hoping you would say that because it seems to me it's not just DJ night, though. That's fucking fun. Yeah. Ending up at Club at 3 a.m., dancing to disco. But, like, listen, if you can start with a really nice meal starting at 8 or 9. Absolutely. And segueing into the, the music. Yeah. And and the other the other half of that is moving forward. Now we're going to be more. We have a monthly residency at Jeans on mm-hmm. Lafayette Street um, in in NoHo. And moving forward, we're going to be more involved with the cocktail program there. Cool. So we're going to be doing you know special drinks, and we're fucking around with weird, cool aromatic oils in their soda machine, and it's going to be fun. Let's talk about books a little bit. We last episode, linked in the show notes, we talked a lot about books and some of your book buying um, grails and 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 all that. But like, let's talk about what kind of books are you interested in right now? Like, are, and also, are you thinking about maybe working on your own book? My own book? I honestly have not thought about. But I asked you this last time, man. You had some homework. I had some homework to do. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Um, my partner, she she also is loves books, is obsessed with books, yeah. art books non-art books, every type. Um, and we have been brainstorming and, and kind of getting in on the zine front. Um, and we're, we're, we're in the very early stages of making a couple just like really fun New, cool. York, New York City food zines. Um, one of which is a guide to New York City movie theater. She's also a big movie nerd, mm-hmm. uh, but based solely on the snack and concession counters. Um, how warm is the popcorn? How salty is the popcorn? Is it a fountain soda? Are you getting a bottle of Diet Coke instead of, you know? Yeah. Um, it's it's just a silly idea, but uh, in terms of like an actual book, uh, there has not been anything okay. on my mind. All no. right, we'll talk about, my, about that because I think <laughs> it, it'd be great to see to see you in the in the book world. We record at Penguin Random House, so I got I got yeah. to bring that up. But but it's cool. It seems like this this movie movie theater idea. It feels like very '90s, like down the hatch, Robert Seats, oh, like totally real zine, you know, style. Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of books, other books that I've been interested in, uh, it's been all over the place. Still tons of art and design books, um, tons of just like weird New York City culture yeah. books. Um, Have the guys at Mass gotten any friendlier? <laughs> no, It right? depends who's working. It, it depends. It really does. <laughs> it really does. But uh, my allegiance is live with Karma uh, yeah. on, on Third Street around the corner. Respect Karma. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out, Matt. Let me ask you about like consulting work, like this hustle, like, let me ask you who, how do you pick your clients? Cause it seems like this is part of it's in your like bio and, and you definitely are public about it. But like, I'm curious about right now, like what are you, are you talking about like consulting, like, like social media strategy slash content strategy? Or are you just like trying to like get a space together? Like what's your consulting work like? Yeah. Um, it honestly, it depends on the client for sure. I, I think every, you know, over the past two and a half, three years, Every consulting client I've had, the project has been totally different, which I like. Um, but just for example, I just started working with a company called Table 22. They're a really great company. Um, started by this guy, Sam Bernstein. He's he's awesome. Um, but they essentially give restaurants, bars, butchers, cafes, uh, bakeries, um, the ability to do subscription programs uh, for their customers. So wine of the month club, um, butcher boxes every week, and it could be weekly stuff, monthly stuff, you know, 
quarterly stuff, whatever. Um, but they're a company that that I really jumped at the opportunity to work with. One, because Sam is a restaurant lover like I am. Um, and two, because he was interested in in working with me in a way that I, again, was like super excited by. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing right now, I'm helping them with strategy and essentially with new business acquisi- acquisition mm-hmm. uh, for their platform. So they basically provide uh, all of the e-com, all of the back the, the techn- Like the technology. Exactly. For, and, for doing and the logistics. So the distribution oh. as well. So they can um, do the fulfillment. Cool. Exactly. Um, or sorry, not the fulfillment, but once the restaurant or bar, whatever, packs up and is ready to go, then it's it's out of their hands. I see. So that's um, a good call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was like, hey, I know you have, you know, taste in restaurants and have all these connections um, and you understand our business uh, and Basically, what he asked me is like, "Do you want to help find spots that you think could benefit from our business, and um, you know, maybe try and bring them into the fold?" Cool. Uh, so that's like what I'm doing, house, man. Yeah, exactly. It's good. It's cool. Um, yeah, I feel like um, the boxes were big in like 2020, and then we got kind of sick of the boxes. But yeah, and but they're always good. Like they're they're, they're cool. Always good. And his restaurant partners are great. I mean, like he works with um, uh, the Dabney, and he works with Musang in Seattle. Uh, he works with Il Buco here. Winner. There's like they're all great restaurant yeah. and food businesses. That's cool, man. Yeah. On this is taste. We asked guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, Alex, here's a little rapid fire, fast and furious taste check. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. The best AM pastry with coffee. Uh, Queen Amon. Oh yeah, you're not over it. I'm. I will never be over. Thank you. It. I could also go a, pre, a, a cream puff. A, wow, butchering that. Could also go for a cream puff though too. Yeah. Underrated. Yeah. The best dessert. Uh, Mr. Softy Vanilla Soft Serve. Um, have you been testing Mr. Sophie's around the area? Do you have a favorite location in New York? Uh, yes, there's one on the Upper West Side on 68th and Broadway. That's quite good. Okay. <laughs> I love it. The best bread? Um, uh, proper, chewy, fresh ciabatta. Oh, yeah, ciabatta. Yeah. Always. The Italian's answer to the baguette. Like, it's what do you, come on. It's true, but it has to be fresh and it has to it be has chewy. It has to be fresh and chewy, yeah. Because, like, the, the bodega ciabatta cannot be. Oh, no, it would never even look at it. <laughs> Your favorite dinner party dish to make as a host? Uh, eggplant parm. Okay, so the frying is you you do that like days ahead. Is that or I do? I usually ahead? do it in the morning yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I respect it because I feel like I love the call because it holds, but like you don't want to, you know. Yeah, make, it's but, also to me that's the that's the dish that's like, hey, I love you. I I did all this work here. It is. Ah, I like you know? that. I, I, you got to pour your whole heart. Yeah, into an it's a lot parm. of it's a lot of prep. Yeah, a lot of different bowls and a lot of mess too. Yeah, for respect sure. It. Favorite dinner party dish to bring as a guest? Wine. <laughs> it's true yeah I think I just think it's it's an easy way to I, I love bringing wine places because it's an easy way to talk about something without feeling like you're stealing any spotlight from the person yeah. who's hosting and so okay this is the paradigm though the paradox so you 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 spend like 80 on a bottle it's nice it's like you're you're definitely showing them like you, you appreciate the invite totally. but then you give it to them and then the <laughs> so what, like that's <laughs> they shove it to the side and then it's like I mean okay, Alex I want to talk to you about the- totally totally I always if I bring a bottle of wine somewhere I say hey I brought this bottle of wine can I have an opener and I'll open it and I'll stick the cork in it and I'll put it on the table that is so the- people so people will drink it that evening and also you and can so I can drink it that evening taste too. it to make sure it's okay <laughs> yeah exactly and and also you spent the good money and, yeah. I mean eighty seems low actually so you, wine is you know you wine can, can get wine can get very pricey very quick. north you can get north of there but okay your absolute essential bottle of booze to have on hand um personally for me it's a bottle of Campari okay yeah um for for the average bartender at home I think it's 
I would say probably a bottle of beef eater gin. It's a good call for the gin. And, and w- w- with the Campari, no, of course, there's a Negroni, there's Campari and soda. But what else are we thinking here? Well, that's to me, it's like it, the thing that I want is a two-ingredient cocktail where I pour something <laughs> into soda and maybe squeeze citrus juice in it. So that's why I always like to have something yeah. that's for that. Um, if it's about versatility, I mean, there's so many answers. But again, I would probably lean back on good old beef eater gin. How do you feel about the Jungle Bird? Uh, I love the Jungle Bird. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the one yeah. that comes in mind. Uh, Jungle Bird for sure. Also Siesta for sure with Campari. That's like my favorite cocktail ever. Siesta. Is that like a, a Death & Co.? It's uh, no. Milk it, & Honey? It was a 2000, early to like 2002, 2003, not Death & Co. I forget. Yeah. I honestly. PDT. Totally maybe blank, I, it, Totally it, blanking. Me too. I mean, why would you? I mean, that's, yeah. that's like, we're talking about like ancient history. But it's like a Greyhound meets a margarita and there's Campari in there I too. remember and this it, drink. it's so good. It's so good. I think it's PDT. I feel Jim Meehan put it in his book. I think I okay. I literally recall opening it up on vacation and being like siesta. I think Hell Jim, yeah. I think it's a Jim Meehan book. Okay. Most overrated cocktail? Uh, the martini. Okay. Why? Uh, it's a Budweiser. You know? It's a martini <laughs> is a martini and it's it's great. But don't tell me that a martini is a lifestyle because it's not. There's there so many better cocktails. What about the Vesper? Um, <laughs> Still in the same family. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not <laughs> mad at a Vesper, but again, yeah. I, I think the martini as a Budweiser is the easiest way Fair. to describe how I feel about a martini. Most underrated cocktail then? Um, mojito or daiquiri. Okay. Is that just because you like lime? You like citrus? You said no, I think it's just because people don't either understand what a daiquiri is yeah. or haven't had a mojito since they were next to a pool in their 20s of somewhere. Course. You know? They're both and very they're bad. Both, they're both amazing cocktails, I think. <laughs> and I, I love a mojito. Most underrated piece of kitchen equipment? Um, oh, a, a dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who doesn't have one, I mean, like, that's, <laughs> I think people who have dishwashers have gotten very silent about the fact that they have dishwashers and they just, that's like part of the, you know, part yeah. of the experience, but a dishwasher. No, it's, I had 18 years without one and then have ha- have one now and yeah, when you're cooking a lot and for a group, yeah. Totally. totally. You definitely want the dishwasher. Okay, so the most overrated piece of kitchen equipment? Uh, cast iron pan. Have to agree. I mean, the cleaning thing alone is just bullshit. Yeah, uh, yeah nuts. totally. It's wild. Good call. Uh, your favorite cookbook of all time? Um, actually, I think about it. I think I talked about this last time. Uh, it's The Whole Beast, Fergus Henderson. I yeah. Just, I love that book. Yeah. Uh, recent cookbook discovery? Um, yeah. So I was in uh, I was in Left Bank Books, and I was just looking around and browsing. They have cool, like, New York City-centric art books mostly. Uh, but there was this Andy Warhol book from the late 50s. It's called Wild Raspberries, uh, and it's co-authored by Andy Warhol and Susie Frankfurt. And it is a cookbook of, like, all of these very niche New York City pop culture people hmm. recipes. And some of them are real recipes, and some of them are totally fake and all of the illustrations are done by Andy Warhol and it's just re- it, it was Andy Warhol before he got known for the copy paste pop yeah, art yeah this thing. is like late 50s this is late 50s early early yeah, yeah so it's all of his illustration work which is I think is really excellent um but the food illustrations are so fucking good wow and the recipes are equal parts just interesting and very funny do you know um, anything about this? But did you do Wikipedia? Did you I know? did Wikipedia, but there's not much wow. out there about it. Cool. Um, it's a book that I need to revisit and also buy a copy of. I was like, 
I yeah. ended up not buying it that day. And was I it a first? Regretting. Was it like under? It was glass? a first edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, expensive, but worth it to yeah to yeah. get that. I think you can find them out there for copies for like maybe sixty bucks. Cool, interesting. Check out Abe. I'll be, I'll be on Biblio. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be on Abe for sure. Yeah, I'll be on there. Um, a couple more. This is you've been a great sport. Yeah. Your favorite album of the past two weeks. Um, okay, wait. Is this an album that came out over the past? Oh, that's weeks, a good question. I, I wrote that very poorly. Um, no, that you discovered in the last two. Weeks. Oh, it could be oh. any record. So this was a record that I hadn't listened to in a long time, and was at a one records and found a copy of it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I've never actually seen a physical record of this. Um, and it's not that old or anything. It's from 2006, but it's from this Brazilian band who had a couple songs that took off in the states called CSS. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Yeah. And it's it's their CSS. It's the self titled album. Um, ah. And it has like uh, it has music is my hot hot sex and yes. let's make love and listen to death from above. And I hadn't listened to that album in over a decade probably. And I bought it and then was like, yep, instantly saved to Spotify. And I've been listening to it nonstop. Over it the holds. It reminds me of like the early Diplo, like yes. the Brazilian era as yes. well. I love that self-titled album. It's I mean, so Abala is like the one that everyone knows yep. and feel. Yep, it is. It but is. the but they, self-titled is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's great. It's a, it's a great album. But that's been on very heavy repeat. Cool choice. I like that. New artist of the year, meaning they are new to everyone this year. This is a tough one. Okay. Um, new to everyone. Well, not to everyone. That's a weird, that's a weird okay. way to frame it. Could it, could, could it be someone who's like, uh, we'll say has really blown up? Yeah, that's year? a better way to frame it. Okay. Thank, I, thank I you think I have name. a, I think I have a few. One is, this is a little biased, um, because one of the singers is a friend of mine, but we put the homies on. Yeah. Uh, this band, Michelle, uh, my, fr- my friend Sophia is a singer in Michelle. It's mm-hmm. a six-piece band, um, four really amazing vocalists. Uh, it's such a cool, young <laughs> New York band. Um, they're awesome, and they've, they've been really, really blowing. I think you know some of their songs have, have 10, 15, 20 million streams on Spotify right now, so they've been doing well. They just played Lollapalooza. They're awesome. Michelle, a Michelle. six-piece. Yeah, I like six that. Pi- a six-piece named Michelle. Um, they're great. Uh, I'll also say Jess Williamson put out an amazing album uh, not too long ago. Before that, she was like maybe a little known, but I feel like this album yeah. is really going to push her. Vaguely know that name, but. Yeah. It, she's got a little country twang. Yeah. She's a guitarist. She's she's awesome. Um, and then I'll also throw in uh, Born at Midnight. They haven't released much music, um, but I think this year they're going to release album album. Don't know them, whatever. That's great. Uh, M I D N I T E. Okay. Um, but oh. they have a they have a song called Y, the letter Y, the letter O, the letter Y, Y O Y, and that's a listen to it eighty times in a Put row. Put it on. I'm putting it on the on the way home. Hell yeah. Any comment on the dare? Uh, the dare. You gotta love New York City uh, weird <laughs> indie subculture, right? Um, <laughs> but prefabricated by no, yeah, okay. I think that guy is working hard. I, I'm not gonna. He's he's uh, he's working hard. He's working hard, and I'll say, Harris is a, he's a nice guy. I'm sure. Yeah. He, he, why would you not be? He's, he's he has a great life. And, yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. It uh, is. It's been a funny thing to watch. It is not for me. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's uh it's it's party rocking for sure. It's it's interesting. Um last one your favorite sandwich. Um an American combo. A twist on the Italian combo. So the details <laughs> so please, sir. It is ham, salami, and bologna. Ah. Uh, so like instead of, you know, classic Italian yeah. perfecta, um, mayo instead of oil yeah. and then salt, pepper, lettuce. Roll. Roll. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's something that 
you know, I do. And now that I have this mic and we're talking, yeah. I do want to say something. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm a, I'm a sandwich guy. I'm a deli guy. That's my, you know, literal bread and butter at times. Um, <laughs> but I'm just really disappointed in New York rolls. I have been, I always have been, and now I feel like I need to say stuff about it. Coming from Philly, where we have the greatest oh, sandwich Oh, so it's rolls. about Philly versus, I thought you were just saying in general. Oh, no. Well, in general, I don't think there's anyone who oh. makes a good hoagie roll in New York and distribute it, oh, distributes so it, it is widely. a Philly New York thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just, I feel like I was spoiled in Philly yeah. um, with all these amazing bakeries that make hoagie rolls. And in New York, I can't name a person who makes a great hoagie roll, and you can get it anywhere across the city. Yeah. So, that's just me. That's Not just me even in Kill Gardens. There. I feel like they have a couple bakeries. There's, I mean, Caputo's is Caputo's, there, but Caputo's nah. doesn't bake enough rolls, nah. and their rolls are are good. They're fine. They're fine. They're, they're okay. Yeah. You don't need to. You don't need to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Caputo's <laughs> fine. Fine. Um, no, but but interesting point. I feel like this is gonna be part of this book that you're gonna write. Just like a few <laughs> chapters about the book's gonna be called "A Million Things You Didn't Ask to Hear." I love it. Alex Alex Lee. <laughs> thank you for joining. This is Taste. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matt. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 